Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Everybody who utilizes cannabis, they don't look the same. This is an agnostic problem, and the only way to address it is by giving everybody the information. No one can say the fact is not the facts. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. Another episode of the Cannamom Show. I am your host, Joyce Gerber, and we are leaping into our second part of a two-part series featuring the authors in the new anthology, Courage in Cannabis, book launch now scheduled for December 13th. Woo-hoo! Woo! More, more authors than you can shake a joint at. So boom. <laughs> Thank you. So I just realized I was checking our um, analytics today. Today, the show we're recording is our 101st episode. All right. I know, people. Congratulations. Oh, we, so, we, missed, we forgot the big, to do the big party last week. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I missed my 100th. So yeah. we're always a little bit off because we're in cannabis. All right. So uh, <laughs> I was reading. I like to get an actual newspaper i was reading my new york times magazine uh, this weekend which featured stories about lessons learned from covid our time in covid um some stories were kind of scary some were good but i did take away a message of um hope about change which you know it's not good or bad but it's i think it's about agency change and i think that kind of brings us back to what we are always talking about that we're better able to move forward if we feel balanced and control and agency which brings me back always to cannabis Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it all comes back to cannabis 
New York Times Magazine hope COVID cannabis. So mm. I don't know, like I was saying, I was listening to Rick Doblin before I came on air today. He really, um, he's changed the way the world sees psychedelic medicines. And he talks about this is the way we're going to heal our planet because the human brain is confusing and we're kind of hurting each other and we should be helping each other. So here we are today trying to heal each other with all the caregivers and the courage and cannabis people. Here we are. The, did you see the episode of Gwyneth Paltrow's show where she, her staff went to do like ayahuasca. I'm um, not, I'm not a big follower, but I'm, <laughs> I can well, believe it. Yeah. And she didn't do it, of course, but her staff did. And I, I don't know if what's your, what's your expert's name there? Rick Doblin, if he would be pro or con ayahuasca, it falls into that family though, doesn't it? I think he talks about everything. He talks yep. about like we've categorized good drugs and bad drugs, which is a whole nother discussion we can have, especially right. with our doctor friend who's going to be here today. And that, the human brain is unknowable. The way we exist in the world is very difficult. We, we have this individual idea, but we're part of this bigger system. And that is what he talks about plant medicine and that he talks about them all at many realms. And now they're, and he comes from a, a very traditional way, which is so unique about him. He's inside the system. He's been doing this for 50 years. The guy's 68 now. He had an epiphany at 18. And here he is. He's still working on this, trying to get this to be part of the medicinal um, catalog, just like we're talking about cannabis at all levels. But he's I know psychedelics is different than cannabis, but we can come back to that. Yeah, it's not the psychedelic mom show. <laughs> it's not. It not, will be someday. Yet. All right. But t- we do have a very big show. So today with us, Adela, Anwar, did I do that wrong? <laughs> you did it just right. <laughs> Thank you. Joe Brennan, Dr. Jennifer Anderson, and Andrea Salas's, Salas are all authors in the upcoming anthology, Courage in Cannabis. And I am welcoming you each. Um, I'm going to have you each do a small segment but let's just do a quick introduction starting with joe just give me your name where you're calling from and what is your favorite way to consume okay well my name is joseph brennan i opened columbus botanical depot the first cbd store back in 2013 i'm actually calling from orlando florida today i'm down here doing the soho event this week so i'm enjoying the nice weather here in florida nice I'm originally from Ohio, though, of course. And my favorite way to consume cannabis is probably capsules, I would have yeah. to say. Uh, a daily good. daily capsule regimen. I know it's not popular, but I think like, it's the most important. Well, we, we like to have everything. Men, capsule takes everything on the show. So, <laughs> right. so welcome. Thank you for um, talking. We'll be back with you in a minute. Dr. Jennifer Anderson, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm calling from Canada, right in the center in Winnipeg. And I am, my favorite way to uh, consume cannabis actually here would be our new drinks that are coming out. A lot of companies, even the medical companies are providing drinks with various levels of both uh, CBD and THC and they're awesome. That's true. I've been speaking a lot about beverages. That's a great way. Okay. And Adela, introduce yourself, please. Oh, my name is Adela Anwar, and um, I am in, uh, located outside of te- Dallas, Texas, in Frisco. Uh, Texas is a popular area. And my favorite way to consume cannabis, actually, in the state of Texas, the full-spectrum cannabis is not legal. So we're, we're on the Delta 8 kick, and I get the, the oil drops, and I like to put that into my coffee. That's excellent. Oh, that's great. Okay. So we actually do have one more, Andrea Salas, who's going to be joining us later. So let's just stay with Adela. I'm going to do a little introduction and we're going to do a little chit chat. So she is a trailblazer that has spent the past 20 years building a career, which she describes as being on a non-traditional trajectory from creating a global campaign for niche industries like solar and off-grid homes 
to founding a global fashion brokerage in 2008, 2008, where she worked with some of the world's top luxury fashion houses in Milan, Italy. Adela's professional goal is to add to an environment that fosters excellent ideas and opportunities with the best practices in mind and a mutually beneficial outcome. She is a certified product owner, a global business system analyst, and a senior consultant at Deloitte Consulting. But her passion for the cannabis industry is why she was invited by Dr. Bridget Williams to share her story in the Courage in Cannabis Anthology. Her next business endeavor, cryptocurrency markets and the cannabis industry. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> you got a lot going on. All right, so welcome, Adela. Um, I know that you come from risk compliance too. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing with the National Association of Black Compliance and Risk Management Professionals? Absolutely. So that's a mouthful, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially, we call it NACRAMP to abbreviate it. I am the uh, chair over the board of directors. And essentially what we're doing at that organization is we're tying in work groups. We're making industry work groups have the availability for all inclusivity of individuals. We want everybody to be able to join different industry markets under the umbrella of risk and compliance. With that being said, coming into that organization, I wanted to immediately establish a work group that is centered towards the cannabis industry because it's so new and it's a gray area at -hmm. this point. And the risk and compliance aspect has not been cemented and it changes everlasting in every time of a wave when something is legalized. Just like how I was saying about the Delta 8, they just walked that back here in Texas. Now they're selling it. So it changes. And with that type of environment, it's also good to be a visionary and get into it. So that's that's what I'm doing with Undercrump. And then also in that, we're having that thought leadership. Our nation was founded on thoughts and our forefathers, their thoughts coming in and building the United States. Now we're in a different world where technology has overrid us. And also we we have the ability to choose how we want to be medicated in these markets and that there is a movement. Right. And what I want to do is I want to bring that to the attention by educating. And also if we educate, now we can take that information into the boardroom because we're trusted individuals right. who, who are basically taking a stand and saying, hey, the numbers are just too uh, drastic. We need to really focus on the change and how we can be a part of that change. Because regardless of what everyone says about the cannabis industry, we know that it's going to change every industry. Uh-huh. And at some point, everybody's going to have to work together. Rather than resisting that change, we're on the forefront accepting that change. And that's change. why I'm it's always about change and it's not good right. or bad. It's how you feel in it. All right. So you're I've talked to more people. I talk about the boring industries in cannabis, but the risk management is so important. Like there's a story out in California now. There's been some break-ins in Oakland I've heard about, and the dispensary owners are being told to up their security, like bring in armed guards as opposed to like Louis Vuitton, where they brought in the they brought in the police. I don't know. I mean, so what are you seeing that's different about risk management and cannabis specifically versus like other industries? Are we like pornography? Like how is it being treated? And that's the bottom line. I'm glad you said that because first we got to get the mindset out of, out of sight that it's wrong. 
Now it's legal, just like alcohol and everything else that's been consumed. There's laws behind it, there's rules. And again, this is a state like a California, this is a state in which it's legal. It's one on every corner. Why does business owners have to be subjected to saying beef up your security rather than getting the right authorities involved? That's the problem with cannabis in the nutshell. Mm -hmm. The problem is it doesn't have the proper systems that are built to protect the consumer and also protect the person who owns the store, who's at the storefront. Mm -hmm. There is not enough protections. And I don't feel that they're wanting to do much about it, but I would say that organizations like ours and other organizations that become a, a part of uh, different work groups, they're going to become that safety security net, that belt that's needed to kind of harness that um, energy. Because what's happening is, is that people are losing that momentum because they're having to go back buy more supplies. They're having to reinvest. So they're not going to make any money in the industry. And if they don't make any money in the industry, they're going to leave the industry. And that's not what we want. No, because we talk about, and specifically we're talking about social equity issues and we're talking about building generational wealth. And I can see how this is freaking people out that they're investing so much. And I'm in Massachusetts. We have our own special issues here. I know what California is. I don't know what's going on in California, honestly, but Texas, one day you could be invested in a company that has and Delta eight and the next day you're shut down and the next day you're up again. It's so, so fickle. Yeah, so so, that's a big, huge risk people are taking in an industry that's just starting out. And I mean, how are you seeing it impacting the social equity world that you're sort of trying to support? We're, we're, we see it, like we said, the generational wealth aspect. We, we are, this is the way to build generational wealth we're, by educating places like the Cleveland School of Cannabis, places mm-hmm. like our work groups, places that basically we're taking that thought leadership and we're putting action behind it. That's the only way. The only way is submitting what we already know and bringing it to the forefront and giving it to the right people at the right time. But first you have to have it available. And I feel there's not enough information that's cataloged, that's trusted, that's available. And what we want to do is organize that resource so that we can begin sharing the wealth of the uh, information and allowing people to step into the market. So who do you see is, so I like, I I like to say I talk, I talk pot, politics and religion, bring it all together. So, and, and I know that this is an industry just like you, I believe this touches everything from uh, cosmetics to criminal justice, obviously. So there is, when you're talking about regulatory, you're talking about I mean, you're talking about some vast amounts of information. You're talking about a lot of data and we're trying to transform a belief system that has been uh, created in a hundred years. And now we're trying to dismantle it. I mean, that's really what you're up against, right? So, <laughs> I mean, so what are you seeing as a resistance and what do you see as the best ways breaking through to this? Like, I think it's stories. I think of the stories of you are breaking through people's uh, mindsets about what this is, but what are you seeing in the world of the professional world? I see in the landscape that the professional world is very curious because there's money to be made. Mm -hmm. I also see the resistance because like I discussed earlier, that negative connotation that they're doing something wrong. We need to remove that out of the equation. After, you know, after many different battles, we, we know that there's evidence and there's facts that support why people use, utilize it without advocating so much, right? Because we don't want everybody to wake up in the morning and just smoke pot there's reasons behind that for health reasons. And then there's reasons where people want to just do it. Mm-hmm. And that's not the bottom line. The bottom line is, is that having the freedom and, and also having the courage to do it because it's 
accept it and not because it's something that still has a negative connotation to it. So I believe the way forward is again, through education, through creating resources and making the resources available and also through partnering and working with people in society that are already in a risk and regulatory situation where they could kind of get this information into the boardroom. The boardrooms are what makes the decisions. At the end of the day, they make the decisions for you and I, the consumer. If the boardroom has the education and the resources, they will make better decisions. And that's what we're talking about. Education helps people make better decisions. And then I talk about that in politics too. It's like the policies are bad and then they get implemented and are created in a bad way, which creates a system we're in and who's whispering in the ears of the people who are making these decisions. So you're a woman, you're writing this courage for cannabis. I always say this should be an industry run by women. This is a caregiving plant. It should be owned (laughs) by caregivers. Truthfully, I uh, have a podcast where I only speak with women in the cannabis industry, but we're having Joe today. So that's good. What, how do you, what do you see that's different? Why? I mean, I know why it's important. Why is it so important to have different voices at the table creating this industry? Because everybody who utilizes cannabis, they don't look the same. And everybody who is utilizing cannabis, they are using it for the same reason. This is a agnostic problem where we have to address it in a customizable way. And the only way to do that is by giving everybody the information, making it available, making sure that it's sealed and trusted so that no one can change it, no one can alter it, and no one can say the fact is not the facts. So that's it. That's all. Plant medicine. So, so, okay. So, and then last question. So in my own life, I literally do this every day, talk about cannabis and my own mother still does not believe me. How does your family feel about your work that you're doing? And do they believe the benefits of cannabis? Let me tell you this. I'm working with a lot of lawyers in my organization and people who report up to real big wigs. And if I got them to be believers in the list, listen, I feel that I've already finished part of the way. My family, they're on board. Because uh, they believe in the the cause and they see the change uh, that it's creating. But at the same time, when the people who are not on uh, board mentally, they start to come on board, that's when I start to believe that what I'm doing is effective. Oh, yes, that is what you're doing. Oh, Adela, awesomeness. (laughs) Great. All right. So I don't want people to give away their story in the book, but when people read your story, encouraging cannabis, what is the message? What is the takeaway you're hoping they're going to get from it? I hope that they first get inspired to want to come out of the shell and speak the voice, activate that leadership quality in yourself, because that's what's happened to me over just a year. A leadership quality has been activated in me. By being a leader, you're taking the courage to take the stand to move society in a forward position. And that's what they're going to take out of my story. They're going to, t- they're going to see a leader in the making who's not traditionally educated. And I put emphasis on that because we come from an environment and a world where you have to go to this school and you have to do this and you have to do that. And I reject that. And I also reject the notion that we're not going to be able to change we we will change if we educate ourselves and we move into the proper direction with the right people and that's what they will take from my stance excellent all right so if they want to connect with you reach out to you i'll put in the show notes but what's the best way to reach out and connect the best way i'm going to say number one is contact the organization that i represent which is www.necrop 
nabcrmp.org. When they contact uh, NACROMP, I want them to learn about our organization and then they can reach me. Excellent. And it'll be in the show notes because we know that's a really long name. It took me a couple of times to start it down. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Great. All right. So moving on to another country, <laughs> we have Dr. Jennifer Anderson. She is a physician, a mom, and an advocate. Her own cannabis story begins with her son, who has intractable epilepsy. And when he was able to find relief through a cannabis medical program, after all other treatments had failed, he is now using cannabis to reduce his seizures, and Dr. Jennifer is on a mission to help others. Welcome, Dr. Jennifer. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. So let's say, so I know your journey wasn't easy. I hear these stories from the moms, the brave moms, but you're a physician. So you were taking a different kind of risk and you did pay a price for your mama compassion, but now you're helping others find care, right? With cannabis. Absolutely. In 2016, I was, I'm a family physician. I was running a practice and, and working in hospital and doing all the things we like to do as physicians, but uh, also managing my son with seizures on the side. And he was four years old at the time. And, um, and, and he's not your only child, right? You have other children, correct? I have twins. And so he was actually the donor twin in a twin twin transfusion syndrome. So that was kind of the prequel of, to all of his. Yeah. And then I have a, an older daughter who's now 15, but at the time she was eight or nine. Yeah. So trying to juggle that. And my son just started seizing nonstop. And over the course of a year, just ended up on multiple anti-epileptics and finally just still seizing two, three times an hour. I was having to be up with him all night, uh, making sure that he, if he seized, I could help him anyways. And I spent most of our life in hospital and I couldn't work. So I brought him home and we were asked if we wanted him resuscitated. And at that time I realized, wow, like he might not even survive till next summer. And that how was old, how old was he at this time? How he old? was four. Four. Yeah. And I had been kind of looking online, seeing all these reports about cannabis and Dravet syndrome, the Charlotte Figgy story, the right. CNN special. So I think that was recorded a year or two before. So possibly in 2012, uh, 2012, 2013. Right, right. I agree. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so we tried to bring that up with our neurologist and as an option, and the answer was just no, and everything was so political. Fortunately, at that time, it wasn't really a big deal. People were bringing it across the border because Charlotte's Web is what I ended up being able to access. And so after- And, and we- can I just get back to So in your yeah. own practice, well, I mean, just as a person, <laughs> what did you think of cannabis at the time? I mean, was this something that made you frightened as a doctor? Did you have sort of a neutral experience? What did you think it could even- what did you even think it was? So I, I grew up very non-traditionally. I, I grew up actually with a single mom on welfare. And so I had a very different experience. Grew up in government housing. So I had drugs kind of around me all the time. I actually like cannabis was so common that I, I literally grew up not even realizing it was technically still illegal recreationally in Canada. That's so I didn't have a problem with it. I also had a family member who used it for back pain for years and he functioned. So I never questioned it. Just as a physician, we're not taught very well of how to authorize it or how to help. I never had done it as a physician before. And so um, well, that's funny. All right. So it wasn't a big deal. And did you have in America with the DARE program, the kind of scared an entire generation of people. And I can't even tell you how many of the ladies who work in cannabis now were like the head of their DARE programs. So did you, did you have anything like that in your school? No, 
No, they don't have that in Canada. It was a problem. They said they would come home and they knew their families were growing it or using it like when their father had pain and they were using it and they went to school and they were afraid for them. It's a kind of, yeah, it's not healthy. All right, keep going. America. Mines have been uh, <laughs> I mean, med- medicinal cannabis has been um, legal since the early 2000s, just t- taken on different forms with legislation until t- uh, 2018, recreational uh, cannabis became legal. And so today, though, kids need to access it through a physician, which is has been impossible in the past. And so my mission has been to use our story, use my son's story to really push the boundaries of what we do with these kids that are failed everything and really push my colleagues for answers and to think about it. Like, why are you not helping this child, right? That's tried everything else. And what is it? So I always have this question for people now, because when they're so afraid, I ask them, what do they think will happen to them? And they can't answer it because they don't know. So what are physicians saying who are, are so afraid of this product or plant? And do, do they understand the, Do they understand anything that they're starting to learn in science? Well, most physicians have no clue how to even start with cannabis. They still think that my son might smoke it, which is ridiculous. So, I mean, when I hear that, I think, oh my gosh, we are down in the dark ages, right? But anyways, and then it goes up from there, right? People that think that you can just smoke it to people who know a lot of things about it, just don't want to touch it. So the main argument is that there's no research, which is obviously not the case. But my arguments have been people research what they want to research, right? And so I'm a preceptor in the med school, like I teach residents and med students, and I always say to them, if there's nobody interested and nobody's funding, then nobody's going to be researching whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's cannabis or not. So just because we don't have randomized control trials and typical research doesn't mean that it's not effective. It just means that nobody's cared, which obviously isn't the case now because we have a lot of research. So now it's just raising awareness. And do you see, so you're actually, I'm going to move away from your son's story because that's probably in the book, right? Uh, So you're a doctor and you're teaching the next generation. So are you, what are you seeing with the next generation of young people coming into the medical field in Canada? Well, I work in emergency and hospital and I see residents through those two places and they are so interested. They actually want to spend time with me to find out. We'll be in Emerge and we'll talk about, we'll have an overdose or, or someone come in with substance use and we'll talk about it all and, and, and cannabis and, and other things. Psychedelics is the next big one too. So that's exciting, but they're interested and they want to know, and they are so open-minded that actually they petitioned the, the med school to teach more about it. So I got an email this last month to come up with objectives for the med school and residents. So this is after the last few years that I've been petitioning that we need to have a a curriculum. So now I'm being asked to help make the curriculum. So, oh my God, that's pushing it. Yeah. So that's fabulous. All right. So again, like I hear these stories over and over again, that the only doctors listen to doctors, the nurses seem to be influencing each other on this. I can see it sort of across the country, but this is great. And I might niece. I'm a niece who just finished um, nursing school, but they didn't talk about it at all. There was one professor who dared to discuss it at all. So mm-hmm. this is very exciting. We're trying to infiltrate from the inside. <laughs> You're like Rick Doblin. You're yes. just like Rick Doblin of Canada. Okay. 
<laughs> and you know what I have to say last week we had a meeting so I've been running this pediatric cannabis practice on my own kind of under the radar for years and now I have so many pediatric specialists that are consulting me to help them that now we had a meeting last week with the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba here who determines all the funding for Children's Hospital and they are 100% supportive of us starting probably the first ever in the world pediatric collaborative cannabis clinic here so we have a few more meetings and this is super exciting. It's not 100% yet, but we are very hopeful that in the new year, we will be the first in the world to have one. Oh my goodness. Are yeah. you here first on the Cannabis Show? It'll be for med students and residents to come through as well. That's amazing. All right. Yeah. So I was going to talk a little bit about our healthcare systems because they're so radically different. So America, we may never whatever. We may never ever get our medications paid for. I don't know. What do you see in the horizon for cannabis and medicine in your system in Canada? Are there, is it paid for by the system? Is there not, how does it work? Well, there are a few synthetic products such as, well, it's called Nabilone here or Sativex. Those two are common ones that are paid for it to some extent. But when you come to, we don't have epidiolics here and, and the medicinal cannabis that comes from licensed producers here, which is a whole different complicated issue. Insurance companies are actually covering medical cannabis, a lot of them for chronic pain, for epilepsy, different things, because they're seeing that it actually puts people back to work. So it's actually cheaper for them to fund it and people go back to work than to not fund it, which is amazing. Now I've had uh, some meetings with the politicians here and been told it will be escalated to try to help government understand why they should fund medical cannabis. Working in the ERIC, chronic pain patients that are revolving door. And of course, our public system pays for this. And if you calculate the uh, cost to the system, and then I usually take them and I work with them uh, with the cannabis because I do see adults as well, and they stop coming to ER. So like the cost difference is crazy. So I've been kind of bringing those numbers through uh, with some of the politicians and they're starting to listen. So hopefully we'll have a change, maybe not in the next few years, but hopefully in the next 10 years. That would be transformative. I mean, again, I don't know what's wrong with America. We still like making money, but (laughs) I just, we are missing the boat here because we are so state specific and state and like local specific. We're missing this opportunity to create a system of healthcare, healthcare. Oh my God. All right. Let's see. So that's Canada. Let's whatever. Well, I'll be moving to Canada for medical cannabis at some point. So I know that you talk about cannabis. Sometimes you talk about it like wine. I've heard people, other people talk about this and trying to explain it to how it works. So and I've had this own experience myself. I have a certain cultivar that I found in a dispensary that I love. And then I go back and I can't find it again. And it's very frustrating because this is medicine. This is like how it's trying to make me feel okay during the day. And it's frustrating. So how do your patients react to that? And why do you use that analogy? I use that analogy because I actually went to the Okanagan to early in my journey, I found that certain products worked with my son and certain ones didn't. And I wondered why. So I went right to the source, which here was in BC in the Okanagan. And I mean, I was naturally going to wineries as well with my sister-in-law. So I started to realize that there was a real resemblance uh, between the two because you could buy a Chardonnay on one side of the road and one on the other side, and they'd be completely different. And, and I started realizing that cannabis was that specific as 
well. And the terpenes and the other cannabinoids and the flavonoids, they all come together to make whatever it is. But there's so many influences on it as well, such as how the light falls on it and the temperature and how it's extracted and the soil and, and like tons of different factors that go into the plant. And the, the specific plant that my son used, they've tried to grow it other places in the world, but doesn't turn into the same product. So it's just fascinating. And so it is very important that we understand this, but this also actually makes it really hard to research. And mm-hmm. so I'm part of a huge cross Canada cannabis research group for kids. And that's my, my thing that I'm always saying is, is we can say that CBD from this company kind of helps or does not help epilepsy, but, but all we can say is that that CBD doesn't, or that we can't generalize the results as well as we can with other synthetic products. So that's the tricky part of working with plant medicine, right? Yeah. It's going to be, it's a whole new specialty. It is. Yeah. It's, it's forcing people to think outside the box and breaking these boundaries that we've made around medicine. I think so too. And that is again, always back to Rick Doblin. So his big message is that we're healing ourselves. That's why this psychedelic medicine, plant medicine should be our last great hope for humanity, because if we don't heal ourselves, exactly, no, no one's going to heal us. So, all right. One last question. How is your son doing now? My son still has ups and downs. And the last week he had a new seizure focus actually. So that's been taking a lot of my time, but thanks to another physician in Canada who's helped me to redose his cannabis. He, he actually gained, gained a bunch of weight and I'm a big fan of weight-based dosing. Looking after your own kid is hard. So another physician has kind of jumped in to help and he is now the last few days doing fantastic. Oh, good for you. It's a lot. Momming is yeah. being a mom, the mom. Although my, I, I kind of kid my sons and my daughter aren't here now. And I'm like, are you really a mom if they're not in the house? But still <laughs> always a mom, right? <laughs> I think it's really made me think the last week. So sometimes you get a bit discouraged, especially when my son starts seizing again. But but I think the point is that we wouldn't have had the great five years we have if it wasn't for cannabis. And we're not looking for a seizure. We're looking for seizure reduction and increased quality of life. We're not looking for seizures to stop altogether, although that would be wonderful. So a lot of my colleagues will be like, oh yeah, well, see, it doesn't work. <laughs> like, no, no, it's not that it doesn't work. It's that it's something that's current, that's always evolving like other things, right? And it's just, it's giving us a better quality of life and reducing seizures so that we can function and, and he has a good life. And all the other side effects of those other medications are um, taken away. That I like that's the story I keep hearing from the moms. Exactly. Is that they, they they like see a light in their child's eye for the first time. Yeah. It's just, yes, it makes me cry. <laughs> it, honestly, I mean, that's what I noticed that the first thing was that we actually didn't take him off of his two other anti-epileptics. We just added the CBD and doing that, he ended up with a spark in his eye and he was present. And that's all I can uh, do to explain how he looked the next week. It was like, he just appeared he was in his his little body and he was interacting and they'll find out more when you read our story encouraging cannabis so dr jennifer and how do people connect with you if they want to reach you so i am on linkedin under dr jennifer anderson i'm on instagram confessions of a single doctor mom and i do have a website that's uh, dr jennifer anderson cannabis md.com where people can reach out and there's a chat box in there that goes directly to me Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. All right. So our friend Andrea is still a little missing, but we're going to go right to Joe. So Joe, thank you for joining us today. He's joining us from Ohio. Actually, he's joining us from Florida, but he's from Ohio. And his story is also one of health. 
but that of his dad and his uncle. Following their deaths in 2013, he discovered CBD, and that was the beginning of his journey to help others not suffer like his father and his uncle did. Thank you, Joe, for joining us today. Let's see. Can you tell us a little bit about Hemp for Health and what your mission is and your role there? Yeah, Hemp for Health was uh, started back in 2013. That was right after I lost my dad and my uncle back to back to chemotherapy. My dad was 61. My uncle was 53. And they both passed away very quickly after they started those chemotherapies and those medicines and that kind of a thing. And so right after that, I discovered CBD, the Charlotte's Web story of helping children with seizures out in Colorado. And when I saw that CNN special, I just basically knew that that was my life mission from that point forward. I wanted to go help others with it because I couldn't help my family with it. And what, and uh, what did, I always like asking people, so what was your relationship with cannabis prior to this? Like, I, I had my own cannabis awakening. That's what I call it, the cannabis awakening. Yeah. Well, I always had a personal relationship with cannabis. Um, going back to my probably middle school years, I wasn't a heavy user or anything really back then, but I just always was intrigued by the plan. I knew that there was something more to it than what D.A.R.E. wanted us to know and et cetera. And, and I just always had this gut feeling that there was something really special about this plant. And as I grew older and I kind of got more familiar with it, I realized that it wasn't the devil's lettuce and that it wasn't all of these lies that I've been told my whole life. And I thought, well, I wonder why they're trying to cover this up so intensely, which is kind of what has always intrigued me. And so when I found out about CBD treating kids with seizures, I just knew that this was the opportunity for cannabis to redeem itself through CBD. Nobody can deny watching a kid's seizures from from a plant natural-based medicine. And I just knew that this was the opportunity of a lifetime to redeem cannabis as a medicine. And I'm one of those people that I always like to try to prove things right. And so I just saw this as an opportunity to really get in and do that. And so, so what's, I what, what is, that's, that's what helps. So what is your role there? Did you found it? Is that your, is that your organization? Or, yeah, okay, Hemp okay. for Health Distribution was my first company that I opened with cannabis and hemp. And the idea with that was to be a distribution company to where I would go around and try to consign the products into existing stores. I would go to health food stores and different kinds of stores and try to convince them to carry this product. I would just give it to them for free and let them consign it. If it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I would go in once a week and train their staff and we would do Uh, kind of education classes and stuff like that to the public. And that's kind of how I got started from about 2013 to 2016. And where Um, were you getting, and where were you getting your products then? Were you making them or were you getting them? No, no, I wasn't. Um, I, at the time, I just did a lot of research on who I thought was the best company back then. it, It was plus CBD, CB sciences. And so they were the most reputable out in California and San Diego. And so I went ahead and purchased a whole bunch of that CBD on a credit card, went around and gave it all away within about one year. And when I gave every old lady in every parking lot, every old man on, on a walker. That, that's, what I, that's what I do with the healing rose. They send me these little samples and I give them to all my cousin, I mean, all my, all my tennis playing friends. I, I mean, there's no better way for them to experience it than to put it on their hands when it hurts. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. So that's great. Right. Seeing is believing. And and I just feeling feeling is believing. It's the, uh, it's the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would go up to old ladies on walkers and I would say, hey, have you ever tried this? Have you ever heard of CBD? Let me give you a couple sprays under your tongue. And of course, everybody let me do it. This was back in 2014, of course. <laughs> and um, <laughs> couldn't even get know, close I- enough now. 
fantastic. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, you have to have a super soaker too. Wax, max down. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I started giving it to all these people, um, letting them try samples and I'd give them a card and say, Hey, call me if you have questions. And they would call back and share their miracle stories with me. I slept the best ever. My pain has gone, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of drove me into, okay, I really need to understand the physiology behind this. Yeah, I so I was going to ask, did people, did people ask you why it worked for their bodies or just accepted well, it as faith? They, they would. At first, with, with the tincture, that goes right into the bloodstream very quickly. And so a lot of people would feel that relatively pretty quick when I would give them a sample at a grocery store or something. And I'd stand there talking to them for about five, 10 minutes. And they would tell me right then that, hey, I feel this or my anxiety has gone or my pain is gone. How is this working? And I would just go on to explain the cannabinoid receptors that we have, the endocannabinoid system that all mammals share. And I just, the more I educated myself, the more I saw a need to be able to break the science down to Barney level so that I can explain very easily and very quickly to people so that they can actually grasp it. Overloading people with too much information I've discovered is not really the way to go with this medicine because they it, just it, it, ch- it shuts you off. And the, and the people who are, again, there's nobody who's an expert in this industry. If anybody tells you they're an expert, walk away. Cause like literally every minute of every day, this is changing. But if you right. can explain this ridiculously complicated thing in a few sentences and really get the message across, that's a person who really knows what's going on. Cause they're kind of synthesizing down a lot which is really yeah. important. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I've, I've been preaching the gospel of hemp for going on eight years now. And I still, my explanation still evolves to this day. Every time I say the same thing, I kind of say it slightly different. And doing so, I learn more, educate myself even more when I kind of connect dots as I'm talking to people. And then it's just a whole nother discovery. So yeah, we're constantly evolving on the education. What they've discovered a CB3 receptor, the terpene count, the cannabinoid count just keeps going up and up as time goes on. And so, you know, this, this is, this again, is, this, is, this touches everything. This is touching science, it's touching medicine, it's touching research. These are jobs, these are products. This is health, this is wellness. I, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Everything. everything. So we need everybody. That's what I tell, that's sort of yeah. my message. Like whatever it is you do in the world, Cannabis is a little upside down, but we need you and we're building this industry and hopefully we're building this something new. This is the hope and dream. I think that's why people are trying to bring us all together, like this book, Courage and Cannabis and the different podcasting and the women groups, well, the cannabis groups. Joe, I'm going to invite you in. So it's (laughs) my woman world. I'm like, we're building this together. We're inviting the guys in. So here, welcome in. Yeah, Um, I know know you have another business, Columbus Botanical Depot. Is that yours? Yeah. CBD, that's very clever. CBD, yeah. Well, back in 2016, Ohio didn't have many laws on the books. CBD was still in a gray area. Anything cannabis related was scrutinized here. And so it took me a while to figure out how can I say CBD without saying CBD? And so the Columbus Botanical Depot was born in 2016. And that came about from, at that point in time, I was meeting a lot of people in parking lots grocery yeah. stores, et cetera, selling them bottles of CBD. And these little old ladies would say, hey, this feels like a drug deal. I wish you had a retail store. <laughs> and so I it finally, after hearing that a hundred or more times, I finally thought, well, you know, what could be so hard about that? And so I found a commercial space and uh, set everything up the way I thought was best. And it turned out to be a wonderful thing. We were the first CBD store to open in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we're still going really strong to this day, still educating. Can I I just ask you about your business part? So so I know. So one of the biggest issues in cannabis is banking. 
they treat oh, yeah. us like they treat us like we're plutonium and all sorts of scary things. I'm a podcaster. I talk yeah. about cannabis. I couldn't get a bank account. This is it's 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 ridiculous. So how how did it work for you? Did you were you able to find someone who would work with you? Have you gone through some nightmares? What happened with your CBD? Basically, back in 2013 is when that all started for me. When I opened uh, Hemp for Health, it was CBDHempHealth.com was my website, and I had no idea that banks had a problem with this. I had no idea that point of sale systems had an issue with it because it's it was it's it's considered a dietary supplement. So. I had no idea there was any issue. So as soon as I put a payment portal on my website, that was my first shutdown in 2013, actually. And so from that point forward, I went between every bank known to man. I am personally black blacklisted from every single banking institution out there. And that is no joke, except for I finally found Right Pack Credit Union. They accept cannabis money and CBD money. And Square Point of Sale System is who accepts CBD. I went through 13 Point of Sale Systems and probably the same, if not more, banks. And what they would do is I would get my bank set up. I would run some sales. And then they would send me a letter saying, you have one week to find a new bank and to get your money out of here. And that happened to me so many times. And, And the last time it happened was right in the beginning of COVID my banking institution, I finally got Square set up to where I could accept CBD money. And I thought it was going to be smooth sailing from that point forward because banking institutions are a little easier to work with than point of sale systems in terms of how they scrutinize. And so as soon as COVID hit, my bank sent me a letter saying, hey, you have a week to get your money out. You have a week to close this account down or good luck getting your money. And so the problem at that time was, was during COVID, that no banks were accepting new clients, especially Right Pack Credit Union. You couldn't even go into their lobby. So I basically had to not accept cash for about a month and a half before I could get in or not accept payments. And it just went into my Square account and I had no bank account. And so it's just been a nightmare from top to bottom with that. And, and, and again, this, my me- listeners, this is not unusual. That's the saddest part of all of this. Everyone in the industry goes through this. I don't know how we're supposed to build a business. We're talking about health at one end, but we are talking about business at the other end. And how can you make money if you can't even get paid? I, I didn't, I never really looked at that as an issue. I mean, I wanted to keep up and running and stuff, but you know, for me, the money thing, I come from the real estate industry. Before I started doing cannabis, I was a full-time real estate agent, had been for 20 years doing rental properties and just all kinds of things that were pretty lucrative for me. And when I found out about CBD, I pretty much gave up real estate and went full bore into education and CBD and helping people and that kind of a thing. And the reason I did it, my dad said, if you want to do something good in this life, help somebody. Those were Uh his final words to me. And so when he passed away and I found out about the CBD thing, as I'm sitting there watching CNN, tears rolling down my face from this little girl coming out of a seizure, something just said, you couldn't help your dad and your uncle, but you're going to go help the world starting now. And so I didn't get into this industry for money. I actually tried to bankrupt myself. I'd maxed out my credit <laughs> card with plus CBD because I went and gave it all away because uh, I was just devastated after losing my father and my uncle back to back so young. And I just took their words to heart and I just wanted to really go help somebody and make an impact. And so monetary had nothing to do with my mission, with my passion, with any of that kind of stuff. And so I just always kind of, as one bank would shut me down and another point of sale would shut me down, I never let that get me down. 
I just always persevered. I always knew that the next thing was going to come and it always did. And, and that's, that's never- the power, that's the persistence. I see this over and over again. So you are welcome. Thank you, Joe. My God, that is like, that's a story of just giving, right? And yeah. getting and persistence. Yep. And I know that they can learn more about your story in the new anthology, Courage and Cannabis. I'm excited to share. So if people want to reach out to you, connect with you, what's the best way to find you, Joe? Yeah, so you can look us up on all the social media platforms, Columbus Botanical Depot. We can be reached at columbusbotanicaldepot at gmail.com. Our website is cbdhemphealth.com. And we encourage phone calls to the retail store. It's at 614-407-4420. We love to give recommendations to people that are new to CBD and don't really have a place to start. That's where we really shine is helping people find the right product for them. And that is what, and that is, I say that a lot. I mean, you almost need to know where your CBD is, your hemp is grown at this point. So to have a guide to help you through the many, many products and to figure out what um, works and dosing. Oh my God, we could talk a whole show about dosing. So thank you, Joe, for sharing. So I think Andrea has not going to be to join us today, which is really unfortunate because she has a great story too, but there you go, people, whatever it is you do, cannabis needs you, even men, right? Joe, we need all of us. Oh yeah, oh yeah, all of us. Together. Okay, so thank you to all of my guests today. Thank you, Adela, Dr. Jennifer, Joe, and Andrea. So sorry you couldn't join us today. What an honor to have my story included with all of yours in our book, Courage and Cannabis. I do, I feel grateful. I just feel grateful for sharing these stories and preserving these stories because someday people are going to wonder what all the fuss was about, right? So there we are, Courage in Cannabis, available December 13th. Of course, it'll be on my website and all of my great guests will be also promoting this book because we want to make it a bestseller and change the world through our canna stories for my guests and my canna bro, David Jazz. We had another guy on today. You feeling the power? Yeah, Joe, thank you so much, man. I feel <laughs> finally felt slightly at home here. <laughs> we welcome all. Yes, we do. And from my Canna Mom Show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. Thank you for following and sharing and reviewing all of our inspiring canna stories of the women building this new industry so that together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregiving. I am your host. Joyce Gerber, this is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.